I, I don't know if you've noticed that, uh, much like it was right at the beginning of creation, we, as a society, we've got this real knack in doing everything we possibly can to kind of push blame for stuff. Like when things go wrong, troubles, problems, we kind of try to push blame onto things that are outside of ourselves. We just, everything we can to do that. And so we kind of like say, you know, all the problems in society, ah, it's, it's, it was the, it's the labor people, you know, the labor party, what well, they, they did in society back then when they were in control. Or it's, it was the, it's the conservatives, what they're doing now, and it's, that's where all the problems are. We think about all the economic problems, and it's like, it's the euro's fault, you know, <laughs> it's, it, it's the market's fault, or it's the, uh, the big corporation's fault. You know, whatever it is, we kind of just a partition blame, we kind of push it out. It's somebody else's fault out there. But I think the reality is, is uh, deep down inside, if we're honest with ourselves, if we're truly honest with ourselves, you know, we know that the problems within the world are not an external thing, they're an internal thing. The problem is us. <laughs> it's our problem. The thing that's wrong is with us. And yeah, yeah, I know as Christians we believe that we are created in the image of God. That's the kind of language the Bible uses. We're created in God's image. But, you know, I, something happened along the way, didn't it? And we kind of fell off the track. The image that we were supposed to bear of God has become distorted and messed up. It's certainly not the image that God originally intended for us. And it's like, like we, humanity, we become like a beautiful painting that's been graffitied over, you know? <laughs> and so there's, I think there is this deep need, and I certainly for us as followers of Jesus, an intrinsic and embedded desire to change, to put that straight, to want to want something different. But the more we see Jesus, the more we read about him, the more we learn about him, the more we see a clearer picture of that image of the character and the nature of the God of the universe. And the more we see that image, the more we see that there is a gap between who we are now and who we were intended to be. And so for us, what it means to be followers of Jesus or disciples of Jesus, I prefer the term uh, apprentices to Jesus. You may have noticed that over the last few weeks. To be apprentices of Jesus is to close that gap, you know. We see where we are. We see what the image of God and who he is, and we're so far removed from that. But we're on that goal. We just want to close that gap. The big question is, of course, is, well, how? How do we change? How on earth do we do that? You know, if you look around, there's, there's so much self-help you know, information out there. <laughs> I don't know if you go onto Amazon online, I did this, uh, and just want to search for self-help books. It's remarkable. The industry is booming. There are hundreds and hundreds of self-help books out there. <laughs> Whatever you want to change in your life. There are books on self-help for your nerves, there are self-help books there for how to become successful, self-help for developing more mindfulness and happiness and productivity. There are books uh, on self-help to help you get over broken relationships. Uh, all those sorts of growing confidence, all those books, they're all out there. 
I, I was reading some of the titles of the books, uh, and some of them make you laugh, seriously. Um, this one, I, if it comes up. <laughs> Ange didn't want me to put it up. <laughs> get, get your poop together. <laughs> S-H-R-T. Get your poop together. <clears throat> How to stop worrying about what you should do so you can finish what you need to do so you can start doing what you want to do. I need that book. <laughs> I think I need that book. Um, here's another one. <laughs> From Zero to Hero. The epitome of all the best self-help books on how to get money, get girls, and get buff. <laughs> Anybody? <laughs> Seriously, these are real, genuine books out there, and people buy them, and they read them, and they live by them, and they, they hope it makes a difference. That's what the world has to offer in terms of self-help advice. Listen, we're, we're in a series of talks, aren't we? We're talking about what it actually means to be a disciple of Jesus or an apprentice uh, of Jesus, um, or follower of Jesus, uh, Jesus of Nazareth. And what we've been saying is that as apprentices to Jesus, it means that we order, we structure our lives around three goals that you are going to remember, if it's the last thing I achieve as pastor uh, here, <laughs> the three goals is to be with you. Goal number one, be with Jesus. Goal number two, to become more like Jesus. And goal number three, to do what Jesus did. Now, we've kind of, we've done some teaching on those three things so far. We've kind of scratched the surface with them. Um, but there is so much more. We, we haven't finished. We're going to go deeper into that a little bit. We're going to talk a little bit more about how we outwork that, the practice of that. Um, you know, if we're committed to living it, if we, in other words, if we're committed to living the life that God has called us to, or living the way of Jesus, so we're going to commit ourselves to those three goals, um, it's going to require a complete transformation of our life, a profound, radical change in each and every one of us. And in fact, I think you could actually sum up those three goals with that. That one goal to tra transformation. So as followers of Jesus, we are those who arrange our entire life around the goal of transformation into the image of Jesus Christ. I don't know if you remember a few weeks ago, I was saying that the New Testament, it speaks quite a lot about transformation. And the word it uses is metamorpho. It's a Greek word means metamorphosis. And the definition of metamorphosis, that transformation, is a profound alteration or change in form. This radical change, similar to that of, of, of a caterpillar, what a caterpillar goes through to become a butterfly. The problem is, or the truth is, is that in this journey of change to uh, Christ-likeness, for most of us, we're not there yet, are we? Uh, we, we haven't arrived, as it were, in terms of Christ-likeness. And for some, we kind of maybe feel a little bit stuck. I feel a bit stuck where I've plateaued. I've you know, grown in certain areas, but I'm, I've stopped again. I feel a bit stuck. Maybe today you feel stuck in emotional pain. Maybe today you feel a bit stuck in addiction. It could be alcohol or substance abuse. Maybe you're stuck in an addiction like gambling addiction or pornography or spending money. An addiction to your mobile phone or the internet. <laughs> 
you know, I was reading a little while ago that uh, I should do my belt up, shouldn't I? Uh, I, I was reading. A, <laughs> sorry, I was reading a little while ago. You know, uh, digital addiction is a real thing. People really suffer with, and it's recognised. Digital addiction. It's amazing. Some people feel stuck in certain patterns of behaviour or ways of coping with life or certain relationships that were maybe unhealthy. I will do my belt up, actually. Um, how, did that, how did that come undone? Uh, and so I just think it's, it's not actually a case of us not wanting to change. We want to change, most of us. But for most of the time, it's just we just don't know how to change. You know, we may be trying in your own life. I'm trying to change. I'm trying to be a different person. Uh, but I just I just don't know how to do that. Now, a few weeks ago, I took, we put up like uh, an image, a graph, a chart thing um, about two different processes of transformation. These two categories or two paradigms of transformation that we called spiritual formation. It was unin- unintentional and intentional formation. And as we were running through that, the, one of the points that I made is that we as human beings, we, we weren't designed to be st- this like static entity. We were actually made to be dynamic and ever-changing. And, and actually we are, all of us, we're in that process of change. We're all, every day we're becoming something, we're being formed into something or somebody. <clears throat> That's what we call uh, unintentional spiritual formation. This was the, the, the first one. So in this process of change, we're actually being formed by the stories that we believe, we, we, uh, by the habits uh, and by our relationships and within the environment that we live in and the changes they take place over a, a period of time. But what we've been saying is as apprentices to Jesus, um, that's about counterformation. We're about counteracting or offsetting all of these influences of change. And so this was the second uh, diagram of transformation, uh, intentional spiritual formation. And with this way of living, we are counteracting the stories that we're told and and believe with teaching. We're counteracting the uh, habits with practices. And in place of the relationships, it's community. And in place of environment, it's the Holy Spirit. Now, okay, just to give you kind of a little bit of a roadmap so that you kind of know where we're going over the next few weeks. We're kind of unpack that a little bit more over the next, I don't know, five, six weeks maybe. Uh, and we're just going to dig into them a little bit more, <clears throat> take a look at what the scriptures actually say about them. So next week we're going to actually talk about spiritual practices, and then the week after that maybe we'll get on to community and we'll get on to Holy Spirit and all that. But today we're actually going to talk about teaching. So if you want, if you have your Bible, iPods, iPads, or whatever you follow with, we're looking at Mark chapter 1, from verse 14. So if you're looking that up, just as a bit of background, remember Jesus is a rabbi, he's a Jewish rabbi, it just means a teacher. Now of course Jesus is more than just a teacher, He's, he's the Messiah, he's coming to usher in the kingdom of God. But the category that people would have put Jesus in first and foremost would have been a rabbi, he's a Jewish teacher. But you know what? Jesus is not just a self-help teacher. He's not, he's not just telling us how to, how to improve our productivity or how to get rich quick or anything like that. All of Jesus' teaching are about how to really be human 
where we are encompassed by a much larger idea than what he calls the kingdom of God. So it's much more than that. So from verse 14, if you're there, of Mark chapter 1, says, After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. So there he is, or the message of God is going, the good news message. Okay, so what is the good news message? Verse 15, the time has come, he said, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Yet the central theme of all of Jesus' teaching was the kingdom of God. Or, to put it another way, a brand new reality, this inbreaking rule and reign of God, uh, of creator God. And Jesus was saying, it's near. It's, it's actually here now. It's accessible to you. That was the good news message that Jesus was sharing. That God was doing a brand new thing within creation in the arrival of Jesus. And then there was a second part to that message. And Jesus was kind of calling a response out of his listeners, you know, the people, the crowd that are listening. Jesus was saying the right response to this good news message of the kingdom is repent and believe. Repent and believe. Now that word repent is a really interesting word. It's a Greek word metanoia and it literally means to change your mind or to change your thinking. Uh, if you look in the Greek um, English, Greek to English lexicon it, of the New Testament, it defines it this way. It says, to change one's way of life as a result of a complete change of thought and attitude with regards to sin and righteousness. So repent, repent then is literally, it's a completely rethinking of your entire life or a reimagining of, of your entire life from the bottom to top in the context of or in relation to the kingdom of God, the rule and reign of God. So it's to redream your life around this whole new reality, a whole new way of being human in God's presence and through his power and this Reimagining of your life is the first step to trans- transformation. I think I'll put that something up, do I? Yeah. Why don't we say it together? Reimagination is the first step towards transformation. Reimagination, rethinking, changing your mind is the first step. And that's what all of our teaching here on a Sunday is aiming at. First and foremost, we're aiming all of it to, to the mind, to your imagination. <clears throat> You know, if we come back to that chart again, um, the intentional formation thing, um, we said that we counteract the stories that we believe, all the narratives that we've grown up to believe to be true. We're counteracting that with teaching. And what I've said before about teaching, you know, if teaching's done well, it, it's way more than just, you know, this is wrong and this is right. Or it's way more than, you know, this is what the Hebrew and Greek say, and what the Hebrew and Greek actually mean, you know. It's, it's way more than that. Great teaching says, you know that story that you've grown up to believe to be true and the way the workings of the world is, that, that thing that maybe you were taught in growing up and through your experiences, that thing that you believe is actually a lie. It's not true at all. Here's a better story. Here's a more truthful story. This is what it's really about. And the thing is that that's a process. It takes time. It's a lengthy process of rewiring our thinking, our brains. Um, because much of the time, those worldviews that we've come to adopt 
they are so deeply rooted in who we are, it just takes so long to change them. But transformation, as I say, starts in our mind. I'm going to steal a quote from Winston Churchill. He said, those who never change their minds never change anything. <laughs> so it's Saturday night we watched the film um, Darkest Hour. Anybody seen that? It's really good. I mean, if you get a chance to see that, it's, it's a really, really good film. Uh, and that was just a quote. Uh, I, I saw that Saturday, so Friday night. I thought, I'm pinching that. I, I'm going to use it on Sunday. <laughs> That's the thing. If transformation is going to take place, it requires a change in our thinking, a change in our, in our mind. And there are numerous passages in the Scripture which talk directly into that, that speak directly about that. Romans 12 if you want to go there, he's absolute classic for this. Now, Romans, and this is like 12th chapter in. And for the, all of the previous 11 chapters, Paul has been ta- talking about all the graces and the mercies of God and all that he's accomplished on our behalf through Jesus, through nothing that we've done. And then it's kind of like, it's all this theological stuff, and it's kind of growing and growing and growing. And it comes to this peak. And in verse 12, he says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters... In view of God's mercy, so in view of all those things I've just been talking about for the last 11 chapters, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. For this is your true and proper worship. It's like worship. That's, that's what worship is. It's more than just singing songs. It's about giving God, offering God your entire being, your entire life. Do not conform to the pattern of the world, or do not align yourselves to the narratives, to the stories that the world have told you, is what he's saying. But, and here's the big point, be transformed, be metamorphosized, or be metamorphosed, or whatever the proper word <laughs> of saying it is. Okay, Paul, how? By the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. Again, according to Paul, the first steps to transformation is a renewal, a changing of our thinking, changing of our mind. But then, you know, if you read a lot of Paul's uh, writings, he seems to have a fixation on the mind, the human mind. He's got a very, very much an interest in what we do with our thinking. I'll give you some examples. First Corinthians 2, chapter 16 says, But we have the mind of Christ. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 5. And we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Colossians 3, 2. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Again, take captive every thought. It's being changed in your mind. Yeah. Philippians 2, verse 5. Have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. And the last one. Philippians 4, 8. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. He goes on and on about the mind and what we do with our thinking. I think Paul goes on so much about that. The importance of that is it's clear that transformation, which takes place through a renewal of, of our thinking and our minds, is that it's, it's not a one-off transaction. It's not just a one-off moment. That's it. I changed my thinking. Boom. I'm now transformed. It's not. It's an ongoing thing. It's something that we have. It's about repetition. We have to keep setting your mind, taking captive your thoughts, rethink. Rethink is the way Paul seems to, to, to 
go on about it. Um, Dallas Willard, he defines this transformation that begins with a change of mind as this. He said, the process of spiritual formation in Christ is one of progressively replacing. So it's this progression. We kind of grow in it. It's progressively replacing destructive images and ideas with images and ideas that filled the mind of Jesus himself. Spiritual formation in Christ moves towards this total interchange of our ideas and images with his. I just love the way Dallas Willard writes. It's, it's really, really good. But we engage then in this process or this progressively replacing unhealthy thoughts with healthy thoughts. And it takes time and it takes repetition daily. Things we have to keep doing. Here's a little bit of science for you, a little bit of physics. Uh, I hope there's no medical people out there that say, Rob, you don't know what you're talking about, because I don't know what I'm talking about, really. Um, our brains are like, if you can kind of think of like a heavily wooded area, forest, or a um, rapeseed field. You know, you've got tall grass or tall, tall uh, crop. And so that's kind of like our brain. I don't know whether you've ever walked through a field of crop like that. Anybody? Hey, a couple of people. So you might get what I'm trying to actually say here. That's kind of like our brains. And as we encounter circumstances, worldviews that we take on, narratives and responses, um, things that we buy into, we're kind of like when we believe they're true. They're actually cutting away through the neurological pathways in our brain as you would if you were walking through a field or through a forest and cutting a new, a, a new path. Does that make sense? And so as we kind of revisit those encounters and we kind of go over those same responses, we kind of go over that same path again and it just reinforces that pathway. It's a neurological thing that takes place excuse me, in your brain. Um, <laughs> and what happens is, is, you know, as you come up to certain circumstances again later on, maybe it's an emotional encounter, it's, um, you it's almost dead certain that you will take that path again. It's kind of like ingrained within your thinking now and you're almost guaranteed to take that, that line of response once again. Because... The, the brain is kind of remapping, it's rewiring at a, as I say, neurological level. It's a science, it's called neuroplasticity. Uh, I don't know if you've come across that term before. I did a bit of reading, my head was like buzzing, just talking, yeah, reading about it. Um, but your brain is rewiring and you, with all the thought patterns, and it don't, not only affects your thought patterns, then it goes on to affect your behavior patterns as well. Um, and so it's kind of like, Cutting memory on a subconscious level, okay? Cutting memory on a subconscious level, it's not just about data retention and just a, just a normal memory. It's actually your brain rewiring um, and remapping along the way. And so this process of us being renewed in our mind and setting our mind on certain things is effectively us cutting new pathways, new neurological pathways through our, our, our brain. We're rewiring our brain, if you like. Um, but the point is, it takes repetition. It takes repetition. We have to keep treading that same path, thinking that same thing over and over again to re-establish new pathways. Now, there are all sorts of ways of getting good teaching into our brains that will rewire our mind, rewire our imagination. Um, 
from the stories that, as I say, we've grown up to believe or we're told we're true or the stories from a, uh, that we just simply told ourselves are true and they're not. It, you know, there's lots of things we can actually put into our lives and that's what I just want to share, finish off by sharing this morning is five things for replacing the stories with teaching. Thank you. You're keeping up. You probably saw I'm trying to rush through this because I'm conscious of time. First uh, thing then, this is really practical stuff. Reading the Bible. Reading the Bible. Uh, There's so much value in kind of plowing through and reading large chunks of the Bible at one time. You know, like taking up that challenge of reading the Gospels in 45 days that we, we, we did. There's great value in that. But also, there's actually great value in taking time out just to focus in on just a passage, maybe a psalm or something. And just focus in on a few verses and just read it and read over it and meditate on it and memorize it. There's so much value in both of those approaches together. So that's um, reading the Bible. It's one of the best ways to transform our thinking. Secondly, reading good books. Reading good books is, uh, you know, all about the Bible and spirituality and developing our, our spiritual lives, about learning to live the way of Jesus. Um, now, I recognize there are some people out there who are real bookworms. And I know some of you, you kind of go through two or three books in a week. No sweat. And <laughs> just devour reading. But equally, there are those here that are just totally the opposite of that. And you know, I just can't get into reading. Do you know, I kind of fall into more into that category. Reading for me is quite a dry thing. Um, I really have to engage. My brain just seems to wonder. What I found helps is actually getting audiobooks. Uh, so I, most of my book collection is in audio books. And I listen to the books. And it just keep me, keeps me focused for some reason. But obviously, as my hearing has got a little bit worse and worse, and I struggle to hear that, I have to have the text in front of me as well now. So, uh, but it's, I guess what I just need more practice and more effort in, um, you know, applying to effort to reading so that I'm forming a good new habit and kind of training my brain to remain um, focused. But coming back to those who read lots and lots of, of books and stuff, some people weren't like that all the time. You know, some people, that's developed over time. I know Gareth won't mind me sharing. You know, years ago, he never used to read anything. I know if you ask him, he's probably, almost certainly, he's got two books on the go. It'd be something to do with spiritual development or leadership development or something. I'll let you challenge him after. Uh, but almost guarantee that. But it's something which has developed along the way. It wasn't sort of a natural thing right at the beginning. So I just want to encourage you, even if you do find reading to be a little bit challenging, I'm not really a reader, just have a go. Just have a try, uh, you know, just picking up something, uh, getting some new thinking into your head to change the way your brain, you know, get into your imagination about how life could be with, with God. Thirdly, sitting under teaching at church. Uh, you know, gathering what we do in here right now. It's about just sitting under biblical teaching uh, about how to live life the Jesus way. It's, again, it's one of the best ways of renewing your mind is to, to be here and to listening to biblical teaching. Number four, listening to podcasts. I don't know if many of, any of you got into that. In this uh, internet age, we are just so blessed. And so there's such a, 
just a fantastic opportunity for us to dig into some absolute excellent teaching out there from people outside of our own church, outside of our own town. Um, and it's all freely available. You just go on, you can download it, and listen to it in your own time. I really encourage you to do that. It's probably one of my biggest ways of feeding <laughs> myself is through listening to um, teaching podcasts. And then the fifth one, mentoring in community, position yourself in community here. Just you know, building an arrangement with somebody else from within the church that you trust to regularly speak into your life, to speak truth into your life. Uh, speak truth about the way of Jesus and to counteract those stories that that the world has told you and that you've told yourself. And people come in and say, no, that's not, not the way. This is true. Now, part of reading books, you know, if you're getting onto the book reading journey, could constitute through mentoring. <coughs> in, in a sense, uh, there's some people have said, I was kind of mentored by the likes of C.S. Lewis. I've just read volumes of C.S. Lewis. And they say, you know, he's kind of like mentored me and never met him. Well, the, you know, Dallas Willard or John Wimber and all these people, all their works, their writings, you can effectively be mentored by somebody and never actually have met them. Or uh, if it's for you, there's not one person within the church that you could say, oh, you know, I could be a men- they could be my mentor or anything. You haven't got that arrangement just position yourself around as many people as you can from within the church. You know, connect with others in life groups where you can just get as many other people speaking truth into your life and praying for you and supporting there, uh, supporting you, being there for you, feeding your mind, feeding your imagination. As I say, just coming up to you and actually saying, you know that thing? It's kind of like you use the church as a soundboard. And, you know, they kind of come back and say, oh, no, 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 that, that, way, that way you're telling yourself, that's not true. This is the truth. Now that over there, that's not true. But this is the truth. And we, we, need, we need that. So I just again encourage, surround yourself with others. That we, it's about helping each other navigate our way through, um, through life. But the thing is, it doesn't stop there with information. <clears throat> I've said this a few times in this series. Information transfer alone is not enough to produce transformation. So information doesn't produce transformation in itself because knowing something is completely different to wanting something, which is different, again, to actually doing that thing, isn't it? There are a whole bunch of things that I know I should or shouldn't do, and I do the opposite. (laughs) There are so many things I know I should be eating and so many things I know I shouldn't be eating. You know, I know, I know all the health reasons as well for why I should or shouldn't be eating certain things, and I still don't do it. In fact, that doesn't even change my desire to want to change that. It's it's bizarre, because just knowing it is not enough. And because what we're talking about is our desires, we're talking about our, our loves, and what we love in our heart has far greater influence on what we do than what we know in our mind. I'll say that again. What we love in our heart has a far greater influence on the things that we do than what we know in our mind. But I'm pretty sure that I'm not alone in that. I'm pretty sure that we all do things that we know we don't really want to do and is not helpful to us. And we all don't do the things that we know would be helpful to us on our spiritual journey. For the most of us, we uh, have you know, accumulated a whole 
wedge of information about that, you know, what builds a real good, clear image, or the best image we can form, about what it means to be Christ-like. You know, we've all had access to that information. <clears throat> and yet, as I was saying earlier, there is a gap. So, you know, there's a gap between where we are now and that image that we have been able to see of who Christ is and who God is. And so it's all about closing that gap. So transformation, then, it begins by changing our minds, by through teaching, changing our, uh, and feeding our imagination. But what if we're all here now, and we're kind of like, yeah, okay, I get that. I know it's information, blah, 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 but I just feel stuck. I just, I, I really do. I just, I've plateaued. I know the information, but my heart's desire, you know, my desire, my longings inside aren't matching up with the information that I know. Where do I go for that? Where, where do I press further into change? Well, that's going to be the next step towards transformation, and it comes through practices. It's through our practices, which we're going to get into next Sunday. <coughs> but if I can just leave you with some challenges as we go into this week and you know, for the weeks ahead, just some challenges. I want you to invite you to set yourself a goal, maybe for you to set yourself a goal uh, to read the Bible. You know, and maybe that's like, ah, oh, it's going to engage a lot of energy and effort, and I've got to really carve in some time into my busy schedule and all that time. Do it. I just encourage you to make that your goal um, as you move forward. You think this is, this is um, growing yourself. This is like feeding your mind, changing the neuron patterns and the pathways. It's, it's all going to do some great stuff. Um, maybe you're thinking, ah, you know, I really wanted to get onto that sort of Doing the, reading the four Gospels in 45 days, but I'd, everybody's kind of like starting now, and I'm out of sync with everybody else. That's fine. It doesn't matter. There's no kind of time limit, no time frame in doing that. Just get start doing it. Read two chapters of the Gospels each day, and in 45 days, you'll cover all of the Gospels. It's, it's as simple as that. But engage the effort to do that. <clears throat> or maybe read a chapter of in the New Testament uh, in the morning, and then in the evening, so spend more of a, a, a devotional time in reading through one of the Psalms, just meditating on, on the Psalms. And as you're reading, you're having an ear towards the Holy Spirit and saying, why do you want to speak to me about this passage or through this passage? If that makes sense. Make that your goal. Or, um, I've just said all that. If you're somebody that's actually, actually, I've got the Bible reading business all down to a T. I'm sorted with the Bible reading. But maybe you struggle when it comes to reading books that kind of support that, that come under and bolster the things that you're reading in the Scriptures. Again, um, I just want to encourage you to think through, maybe research what a good book, a good uh, teaching book would be that would help you in the situation or at the stage of your learning where you're at now. I can give you some pointers and some ideas of some great books. I've also been putting the feelers out with other pastor folks that I've got connections with and asking them about you know, discipleship and living the Jesus way and all those sorts of things. What books would you recommend? And they've given me a whole stack. So I'm going to be like really busy <laughs> reading all these books. I've got a list of now about 30 books to go through. I can pass on to you some of those as well. Um, some great stuff, some good John Ortberg. I don't know if you've read John Oldberg and people like that. But yeah, it's, it's real good stuff. Again, just make that your goal. 
Or it could be that your goal could be, oh, I'm going to get into this podcasting stuff. I haven't, t- I haven't tried that. I never thought that, you know. Um, maybe, you know, it's just, uh, I'm going to actually get my phone and I'm going to download like 30 or 40 talks on my phone. And, you know, my job involves me driving quite a bit. And so whilst I'm on the road, I'm just going like, to listen to these teaching. So you've got 30 or 40 talks over the next month or so. Uh, just to go through some great teaching. Again, come and see me if you just don't know um, where to even begin to start looking for that. I can give you all the, the podcast information, the people that I listen to, that I really feed my soul. Um, well, lastly, what if you recognize that you it's, it's a relationship thing with you, this kind of mentoring thing. You know you could benefit right, from that right now. One of the things I've mentioned here a few times, and I think we need to formalize it a little bit more, because it's kind of, we talk about it loosely, but I think we've got to put some flesh, so to speak, on the bones. And that is these Thai groups. Um, three is enough, T-I-E. Three is enough groups. And it's just an arrangement that you could have with two or three other people from within the church that you trust. You know, you want to just, yeah, I just want to share my life with you a bit more, deeper, Deeper than life groups, you know. This is an opportunity for you to maybe touch base with two or three other people throughout the week uh, and give them the rights to ask you the question, so what are you reading right now? What are you feeding yourself on right now in your spiritual growth? Um, And them doing the same with you and so on and so forth. And can I pray for you? Can I support you in that? Actually, I'm struggling with this right now. And so that's what I see three is enough groups um, could be. As I say, I think we need to do a little bit more from the front here about talking about what, you know, encourage people to be more part of that. Excuse me. Um, so there you go. I just wanted to give you some challenges, if you like, to maybe, oh, yeah, I'm going to set some goals for myself. It's about time I did that, about time I set some goals. Um, I'm doing the same, you know, with the, the, it's been great reading through the Gospels. Uh, getting back onto reading books. I have like seasons of like, I do loads of reading. I'm like binge reader. I do loads of listening reading, you know. And I read you know, a good few weeks, couple of weeks, and then I, start, I just get caught up with so many other things. I just keep getting back to it. Um, we're going to come in next week and we're going to start talking a little bit more about practices, some of the spiritual practices, silence and solitude and prayer and fasting and all those sorts of things. I'm really looking forward to that. So, Why don't we stand and pray?